Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So good to be together this first Sunday of November. Where did the year go? Who knows, but here we are. And we, as Andy has said earlier, we're launching today a, a new series called You're Invited. And uh, most of us love receiving invitations, I'm, I'm sure, and are eager when an invitation comes through the door to open it, or if it comes digitally, which is the way things are often done as well today, to, to click and to see who it's from and what we're invited to. And for some of you, the first thought is, what am I going to wear? And that's what invitations provoke in us, don't they? And they're often a request from someone to be with them, to meet with them, to an event, to engage in some way with something that's happening. As Andy mentioned earlier, in our research we found that 80% of people respond to wedding invitations, but 20% don't. As long as the bride and groom turn up, I think that it's going to work, but maybe you found that in events that you've planned. And the truth is that the God who wants to write a better story for our lives has extended an invitation to all of us. But the beauty of how God invites is that he doesn't force us, he draws us. He doesn't demand, he desires. He doesn't impose, he invites. And for all of us in terms of the experience that we have with God, it's a constant desire that he has to invite you closer to him. But the reality is, as we well know, that every invitation requires an RSVP. Amanda, I've been invited to three weddings next year. And we replied to say, yes, we're going. And it's a good job because I'm leading all three. (laughs) But in this series, and particularly in our build-up to the Christmas season, we're going to explore some of the amazing words of invitation by Jesus. Moments and times when Jesus extends specific invitation to all of us. And um, Oscar Wilde, the, uh, the author of many a decade ago, said that nothing annoys people so much as not receiving invitations. Now, come on, be honest. Have you known that your friend, your brother, your sister, your family member got an invitation to the wedding or the party and you didn't? Don't show your disappointment too publicly, hey? And we asked the question this week on our Life Central online social media. You know, what's the uh, best invitation you could imagine possibly receiving? And there were a number of different things that people put up there and suggested. Maybe you'd love an invitation to a garden party at Buckingham Palace. Or to watch your team play in the FA Cup final at Wembley. And let's be honest, for some of you, that is a real far-fetched invitation. (laughs) Mine just doesn't win. He might get there, but never wins. Maybe you'd love the invitation to go backstage and meet your famous favourite singer or band. And so often we find that invitations are moments of disappointment as much as anything else. And in today's modern era, you may see the photos on Facebook of the party that you weren't invited to. 
And today to launch into what we're talking about, I want to talk to you about the invitation to follow. You're invited to follow. Every single one of us, every human that is alive is invited into what I want to share with you today to follow. And to set the scene, we need to talk about the great invitation that Jesus made to those who became his disciples. And we're going to read it from Matthew chapter 4. And these are the words that describe that moment in time. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's quite a remarkable scene, and it's not just remarkable because these are people that had never met Jesus before. Maybe they'd heard of him because news was starting to circulate of this rabbi who was traveling around the countryside. But actually, culturally, it was quite a remarkable moment. In Jewish custom, a rabbi's disciples were called Talmidim. And what was unique was that it would never be the rabbi who would invite somebody to be their follower. It was the responsibility of an individual to approach the rabbi they wanted to follow and request that they could be his follower. But Jesus breaks with tradition and custom and culture. And he approaches, first of all, four fishermen. And he gives them that invitation, follow me. I'm sure that they were shocked and they were surprised, but their response was instant. And that comes clearly through not just Matthew's account, but Mark's also. And what we realise when we look at this particular moment in the life of the disciples is that following Jesus is not a choice we make, but it's a response to him. He's made the choice to invite you and I Many, many years ago now, back in 1975, as a, a little nine-year-old boy, I heard the invitation to follow Jesus. And I can tell you, I'm so glad of all the invitations I might have had or not had, I chose to respond to that. And many people have through the ages, even some very famous people. And uh, Bob Dylan, the great folk singer of many a year ago, in his own inimitable way, expressed it like this. Jesus tapped me on the shoulder and said, Bob, why are you resisting me? I said, I'm not resisting you. He said, you're going to follow me? I said, I've never thought about that before. He said, when you're not following me, you're resisting me. Isn't that powerful? And that struck a chord with me even as I was preparing for this morning and, and I found that quote and I thought, Lord, am I in some way at moments of my life when I'm not choosing to follow you as I should, resisting you? Or maybe it's speaking to you here in the room or watching online with us. 
And you've never yet responded to what you know is this constant nagging call in your life to follow Jesus. And ultimately, you're resisting him. And I hope that's not true for any of us because the reality is is that life is all about responding to the invitation of God. That's why Jesus came to extend from God to humanity this invitation that says, follow me. But I want to pick a few things out that I think are particularly significant about this invitation to follow. And the first of those is that it's an invitation to choose Jesus above everything else. We're not following a system of beliefs or even a pattern of particular lifestyle. We're following a person. The invitation is to get close to someone, not to embrace something or to believe something or to practice certain things. No, this is a call and an invitation to walk with someone. And it's good for many of us, like me, who've walked with the Lord Jesus over many, many years to remind ourselves this is a relationship we're called to, to follow someone. Because the very foundation of true discipleship is Jesus comes first. When we contrast that, again, with the Jewish custom of rabbi, and disciple. It's really quite interesting because the Talmudim, the disciples of rabbis, merely learned what the rabbi taught in their teachings. They would go simply to sit and listen to the rabbi teach, and that would be it. But that's not the pattern that Jesus followed. He called his disciples to be with him, and they spent life with him. And in that small little three-year period that is in the Gospels a microcosm, but an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we see so much that Jesus says, I want to enter into every part of your world. Whether it is, Peter, your mother-in-law being sick, I want to come and engage in that. Whether it is making sure that, that you follow me and you're fed and you're watered, whether it is socialising at the home of Mary, Martha and Lazarus, the picture is of Jesus saying that when you become one of my followers, we do life together. Because following Jesus is not a journey of education, but encounter. This life we've been offered invites us to go increasingly deeper in our relationship with God. Some of us We'll say that it's been many years since we responded to the invitation. We may have done that in a service like this. We may have done it privately in our home. But that's not the critical question once we've made that decision. The critical question is, how much closer to him am I today than I was then? But that only happens through the choices that we make. Francis Chan, the Christian leader and writer, says this, that we never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. And that's what this call to follow is all about. It's a lifestyle of choices that you and I make to put Jesus first. It may not be true for you, but I can tell you it's certainly true for me. At relatively regular periods of my life, I find I have to remind myself, today, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
in everything that's happening and around my world, I'm a follower of Jesus. My choices, my actions, my reactions and responses have to be led by the fact that I have been invited to follow Jesus. Because it's not an invitation for a day out with Jesus. You know, he wasn't going to Peter and John and saying, hey boys, leave the fishing today, let's go and have a game of golf. The weather's nice. Or let's take a nice stroll through the mountainside. This was an invitation to leave something and become someone. Leave that and I'll make you someone if you follow me. I want to suggest to you today that even in our pain and our grief, as much as in our joy and celebration, we need to choose to put Jesus first. That as we walk through those valleys of difficult seasons in our life, we still can choose to respond to this invitation to put Jesus first. It's after all what he taught us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, when he said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. We make choices every day that determine the way our lives progress. So many of us, if we're honest, like to pass responsibility to other people for the mess in our world rather than take responsibility for the choices we've made and the most important choice in this invitation is put Jesus first. But this invitation to follow Jesus is also an invitation to face the challenge of change, to face the challenge of change. Now, nobody really likes change. We all say that we do, but actually we don't until something close to our particular world likes to change. And the reality is that the only certainty about life is change. And uh, in his own inimitable way, the uh, author Mark Twain of many a year ago put it like this, the only person who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper or a wet nappy, as we would say. A few parents nodding at that one at the moment. The reality is we don't like change. Come on, let's be really, really honest. We don't like change to what's been built in the patterns of our life. We have certain routines and certain boundaries and certain ways in which we live, and we're not always comfortable with that changing. And to reflect again on the comparison between the disciples of Jesus and rabbi's disciples in the culture of his day, the reality was in Judaism, being a disciple was just a transitional phase. It was a short journey in one sense, and the goal, very simply, was to become a rabbi oneself. But for the disciples of Jesus, was not just a step towards some promising career, but a journey of transformation. That's what we've been invited to, friends, a journey of transformation. And Jesus never hid that challenge from us. He hasn't deceived us. He hasn't blinded us to the realities. He hasn't led us up a garden path, as we would say in modern English idiom. Not at all. He was very clear that this invitation to follow is to face the challenge of change. He put it like this in Luke's Gospel in chapter 9. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 
I think one of the things we need to remind ourselves at any era of our life as a believer or any era of the Christian church is that that call has never changed. He didn't call us to stay the same. He called us to a life of transformation. When you follow the story of these disciples from that first moment when the first of them was called Simon and Andrew and the brothers James and John and then others came along in that journey... And if you follow that through the Gospels into the book of Acts, you see this remarkable transformation, not just in these men, but you think of people like Mary Magdalene, who was part of that close company of Jesus, and the radical transformation in their lives. And that's the invitation we're called to, that somehow through walking with Jesus, we would know change and transformation. The author Kyle Eidelman says it like this, that following Jesus isn't something you can do at night when no one notices. It's a a 24-hour-a-day commitment that will interfere with your life. That's not the small print, that's a guarantee. And following Jesus means joyfully accepting this journey of change and transformation. And I found that uncomfortable. You may have found it a breeze, and I'm sure you have. Sure, for all of you in this room, it's been no problem whatsoever. But that hasn't been my journey. It sometimes felt awkward and uncomfortable. When the Spirit pinpoints things in my life, in my attitudes, in my heart, in my behaviour, and I realise I've been called to constantly be transformed. But the problem is we are fiercely independent as people. We don't like that sense of intervention sometimes in our lives because a little bit like the great Sinatra song, we want to say, I did it my way. Until we realise that my way rarely, really works out as good as his way. And following Jesus, friends, hits hard at the core of independence in our lives. And I know that regularly. And I'm quite happy with that because without his regular intervention, In my life, I'd be a mess. And I'd have messed it up a long, long time ago. And the reality is, as a close friend of mine said many years ago, and it struck me so deeply, that God loves us too much to leave us as we are. His love is shown for us so strongly in his desire to bring transformation to our lives. I think about those images in the Bible that remind us of the process of transformation. The carpenter who takes the wood and creates something out of it. The potter who takes the clay or the blacksmith who takes the iron and takes the rawness of a natural substance but can transform it into something so useful in the hands of God. And I want to encourage you to face the challenge of change. But the final thing I want to suggest to you about this invitation to follow is it is ultimately an invitation to extend the invitation to others. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And again, in the final contrast between what Jesus modelled with his disciples and what was the common culture for Jews who were followers of rabbis, is that in the Jewish culture, when you followed a rabbi, he would teach you to be completely separate and distant from anybody that wasn't a Jew. You had no association with non-Jews. It was considered the wrong thing to do. But Jesus teaches in the parable of the Good Samaritan 
that loving our neighbours is equal to loving God. In fact, we, we use that phrase in modern idiom. Don't you find sometimes when you're watching TV and you hear people talking, they use phrases they really don't know the significance or even the history of. And people would talk about being a good Samaritan without understanding sometimes that it's talking about that selfless act that benefits others even if they're a total stranger. And when Jesus invites you and I to follow him, he also invites us to become those who will invite others to follow. We picked up this responsibility that he left for us. Long before scripture I'll read in a moment, Jesus actually, we read it in Matthew chapter 10, he says to his disciples, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that's how Matthew 9 ends. It seems great. Why don't I have a prayer meeting and pray for some harvest hands? But when we get to the next verse, which was just a continuation of Matthew's text when he originally wrote it, it tells us Jesus says, and by the way, I'm sending you out now to extend the invitation. But to the church, the great purpose of the church is found expressed in what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 19, very simply, go and make disciples of all nations. It still is the primary purpose of the church to make disciples of all nations. It's one of the things I love about our church. It's very clear. It comes across, not just in what's said from this platform, but in all that takes place. The aim of this church is to help people find and follow Jesus. See, I've got it verbatim. I've just been, you know, it's there, but that's great for me. And that's great for you because that's the reality of what this means if we're going to follow Jesus. It's the extension of that invitation to others. We are called to live lives of invitation. That's not just words, but often it starts with the way we live. The example that we are, the, the way we care and sometimes even, if we're honest, that the way that we respond in times of crisis. I've heard so many times we have a baptismal service coming up at the end of the month or heard people sharing their story, maybe some of the videos we've seen here in church. And you get those stories where people are saying, you know, I actually saw the reality of Jesus in someone else's life. You know, folks, we are the invitation card. We are the card that Jesus sends to extend that invitation to others. And of course, this Christmas time that's far away, and according to Andy, I can use the word in church at the moment. But what a great opportunity that we might extend that invitation. Sky News Online reported just recently that Christmas remains by far the most popular time of the year to attend church. One in ten people say they will go to church at Christmas, but only one in 100 attend on a typical Sunday. Ten times more people will respond to an invitation to church in December than will respond at any other point of the year. And that's not the sum total of our invitation, but it is our initial opportunity. It's something that's in front of us. And so my encouragement is that we do that and we seek to do the best we can to extend that invitation. But the greatest invitation you'll ever respond to 
is when Jesus says to you, come follow me. And you might be here in the room, you might be in one of our sites or watching online at home or somewhere else. And the invitation is constantly being shared from the heart of God. And if you want to know what it is to respond to that invitation, we'd love to pray with you. You could afterwards go to our prayer room out there in the atrium. Or you could just follow and text your name to 60777, the next steps that you can take. And in that way, you can then say, I want to respond to that. But every day, God invites you and I to respond to him. Some of us have been followers with Jesus for decades and some weeks. But every moment of our lives is an invitation to respond to him, to walk and follow after him. We get the great joy this morning of being able to share communion together. It's a wonderful moment in the life of believers when we can remember what it cost for us to have that invitation extended to us. Because let's be honest, it easily drifts from our minds. When we're able to take from these communion emblems, here in our sites here and in our sites, we have that opportunity in person. And if you're watching at home online, you may want to go and grab a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice and you can join in with us in this moment. But I want you just to pause with me. And in the first instance, maybe you close your eyes because it just helps us to not be distracted. And maybe we will begin by saying, God, I'm thank you, so grateful that you extended the invitation to me to follow you. As we take communion this morning, it's our thank you. It's our stepping forward and saying we acknowledge what it cost that I could respond to that invitation today to be able to say I'm a follower of Jesus. And in a moment, the team are going to lead us in a song. They're going to ask our hosts to come to the tables now ready to serve and to help us. And in our sites, the site host there is going to help you and give you guidance as to how you can respond in your venue there. But I want to really encourage you to take this moment to say thank you. Lord, thank you that you called me to so much more than just believing something, but becoming someone as I walk with you. This is such a great song. It starts by saying, worthy of every song we could ever sing. And as we do, let's make this an act of worship. You'll be able to get up and come to the tables. There's two on the side here, the front and to the back there, one on the tea servery there and one down to my left, your right over here. And we encourage you to go and just let the folks help you there with some bread and cup. And when you've taken that, maybe you go back to your seat and maybe you just stand for a moment and just acknowledge him in worship because we've been called to go deeper and deeper into him. So as Dan and the team leaders, why don't you stand? We take this moment just to worship and then as you feel ready, you can head off to one of these stations and you can share communion together and give thanks to the God who's extended such an invitation to us.